Welcome. I'm Panayota Daphniotis, and I'm your host for an intellectual property podcast series brought to you by Dentons Canada. This podcast series covers a broad range of intellectual property topics on patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, and related IP disputes with an emphasis on the practical, giving companies of all sizes and industries the IP intel they should be thinking about. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There, you can access all of our intellectual property podcasts as well as an episode description for each topic and information about our speakers. We are currently living in unprecedented times and we hope all of our listeners are in good health and staying positive. It is worth mentioning that we, like many of you, are working remotely and so we are recording these podcasts from our respective new home offices and we are excited to be able to do so and bring this content to our listeners. And now, over to our podcast topic and speakers. Today's podcast is aimed at addressing the patent knowledge gap in three main areas, providing a brief outline on what they are, what is protectable, and what is the risk. Said differently, I guess it's the what, the how, and the why on patents. With me today, I have Richard Johnson, who is a lawyer and patent agent with Dentons Canada, and is a partner in our Vancouver office. With nearly 20 years of experience, Richard has built an impressive IP practice that is national in scope, encompasses all areas of IP law, and has drafted and prosecuted patent applications covering a wide range of technology with a focus on mechanical, electrical, electronic, optical, and computer-related inventions. Also with us today is Paul Denbeuf, who is a senior patent agent at Dentons and is located in our Ottawa office. Paul works closely with clients to develop and execute patent procurement strategies in Canada and the United States and around the globe. He has experience in wireless communication standards and computational intelligence and supports the protection of innovation involving the application of neural networks and other learning systems in a wide range of disciplines. His engineering experience includes high-speed digital system design and industrial process control and automation. As for myself, I am Panayota Daphniotis, a partner and national lead intellectual property at Dentons in Canada. I have 25 years experience as an IP lawyer working in all areas of intellectual property, helping clients manage, grow and commercialize IP portfolios globally, protect their innovation and manage IP risk. So Paul and Richard, thank you very much for being here today. Um, I think this is a really, really interesting topic and a very important one for companies um, to, to be familiar with. So I'd like to start our discussion today, maybe with some statistics that I came across recently, and then I'll maybe just ask you for your views on them. But in, uh, in 2020, we saw an IP report released out of the uh, Council of Canadian Innovators that has observed that companies' successful expansion and growth is actually directly connected to or linked to whether or not it actually has an IP portfolio. 
I think even more interesting than that, uh, at least for me, was that the report determined that although 59% of Ontario's small to medium-sized companies are at least slightly aware of patents, only 2% of SMEs hold at least one patent. And I thought there was just a, such a stark contrast in those numbers. Um, and I guess I just wondered where the disconnect is. And so as I thought about the topic of this podcast um, and uh, what we intended to cover, I thought those numbers were quite interesting. And I think the disconnect is in fact a gap in knowledge uh, and understanding about patents. And patents can be complex, but I think, um, you know, the, the brief overview that we will give on the what, the how, and the why will really be helpful uh, for our listeners. So maybe we can begin with that. Paul, so maybe I'll start with you. Um, and I just sort of wanted to ask you, you know, when you sit down with companies, and I guess, you know, you sit down virtually these days, but when you sit down with companies that want to learn more about patents, what do you or what would you say to help them understand at a really quite you know basic level what a patent is? Thank you, Paniota. It is a pleasure to be here today to speak on this important topic. At a very basic level, a patent for an invention is a form of intellectual property that enables the owner of the patent to exclude others from practicing the invention covered by the patent. So when I sit down with a client, the one thing I want to make clear is that obviously a lot of time and money has been spent in developing some invention. And if they go forward with bringing that invention to the marketplace, depending on whether it's easily detectable or not, it can be very easy for a competitor to steal that invention and use it for themselves. So all that time and money and effort in developing that invention it can ultimately go to benefiting your competitor. So how do you prevent this from happening? Well, this is where patent comes in. You would want patent protection for your invention, and that allows you to exclude that competitor from copying and stealing your invention. Patents are country-specific. So if you want patent protection in the United States, you would need to obtain a patent in the United States. Likewise, if you want patent protection in Canada, you would need to obtain a patent in Canada. There is an application process to obtain a patent, and if certain requirements are met, the application is allowed and a patent can be granted. Some of the requirements include novelty and non-obviousness. So basically, you can't obtain a patent for an invention that already exists or is so similar to an existing invention that it's considered to be an obvious variant. Most people have a basic appreciation of this, but what many people overlook is that when considering novelty and obviousness, it's not just what other people have developed, but it's also what you have disclosed to the public. So what I'm talking about is when you disclose your invention to the public, whether it's through your website or other means, that can count against the patentability of your invention. In this regard, it's always best to file a patent application before any public disclosure. Also, if you disclose your invention to the public, there is a risk that somebody else, perhaps your competitor, would take that disclosure and then file a patent application 
and try to claim that invention as their own. While there could be ways to get around this, it can be awkward and difficult to prove that you are the true inventor of that invention. I like that. I like the way you laid it out there, Paul. And I think, um, you know, we, we try to think of, well, if there's one thing our listeners take away uh, from this, probably that public disclosure, um, you know, keeping your invention confidential before it's protected, I think is so key. It comes up so often in the discussions we're having with companies. So I really, um, I really like the, the, the highlighting of that. And if I can just drill down um, a little bit further, if you don't mind, we know that the, the the question we get over and over again, and um, and it's a question that comes from all kinds of companies, uh, of all kinds of proficiency from a technology um, and innovation perspective. But they actually will want to hear in 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 the simplest terms possible what is actually patentable. And so, you know, how do you explain that? At a, at a, and you've touched on that a little bit, but can you give us just a little bit more? on what our listeners can take away in a little sort of, you know, a patentable um, nugget of information. <laughs> sure, no problem. So there is actually an enormous opportunity to patent a broad range of different technologies. So just broadly speaking, it's possible to patent a process or method, a machine or apparatus, a manufactured article or a composition. So uh, in practice, what that means is that you could obtain a patent for inventions in, in the electrical and computer related uh, fields. There's software related inventions, there's mechanical related inventions, there's chemical related inventions, there's pharma related inventions, there's biotech related inventions, and many other inventions as well. Um, really, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite enormous in terms of the possibility um, and I would add that, generally speaking, um, there is a certain amount of patent eligibility that also comes along. And patent eligibility, it varies from country to country, and it's a bit of a moving target. And it evolves over the years, depending on what the courts have, have said over the years in terms of what is patent eligible. So in the U.S., for example, over the last few years, you've seen a little bit of scrutiny in terms of what can be patentable in this space of business related methods. And this is a bit of a, a moving target. Um, happily, in recent years, we've seen that things have opened up a little bit more in the US and it is certainly possible to obtain a patent for a business related method. So this, this kind of area of the law in terms of what is actually patentable and what's not patentable, it continues to evolve. All right, Richard, so I have a, a question for you. You've worked with such a diverse set of companies um, and so many industries, including work in health tech space, uh, which of course, as we know, has really seen uh, a boom as of late. Can you share with us some concrete examples of the kinds of inventions you've worked on and what has made them patentable or what trends you have observed um, in these industries. Thanks, Pandy. I'd be happy to. Um, so, uh, as many people are aware, Canada is a um, large country with a lot of resources and a lot of the patent activity traditionally has been sort of centered around oil and gas, forestry, materials processing, certainly a lot of pharma work. And uh, that's not my area, of course, but um, there's a lot of 
lot of activity in that space. Um, but yeah, more recently, what uh, we're seeing from both international filings coming into Canada and local companies filing here and elsewhere is uh, more, more activity in the software space uh, than before, especially in artificial intelligence, fintech. Um, uh, there's been, uh, you know, there's a flurry of activity that sort of comes and goes with blockchain. But um, yeah, I think I'm glad you mentioned health tech because obviously the, that is top of mind for, for many uh, innovators, uh, you know, companies out there that are facing these problems. And as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. So um, we are seeing a bit of a rise in the, the health tech space. Um, and if, just to sort of explain what that is, like medical devices, um, you know, methods using like existing devices sometimes. That, that's actually something that is often overlooked. Um, you know, people will have, they didn't, they, they've got a system, a physical product, and they make some improvement to their software that controls it. Um, you know, that can be a patentable invention if, if, the, you know, if you meet the rest of the requirements. So, so don't overlook your own incremental improvements, I would, I would just say. Yeah. And I like that you highlight that because we do tend to see that, um, you know, companies feel like it's got to be a huge major invention for it to actually be considered from a patent protection perspective. And I, and I like the way that you've highlighted that, that it doesn't have to be, um, you know, this grand invention that it can be an improvement and it can be a slight improvement, but an important one uh, worth protecting. So, so I think that that, uh, that is really, uh, really quite helpful. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's a good time to sort of pivot over to the why that I alluded to earlier. And um, this is a, a topic of discussion that I think is, is really inherent in any discussion that you have on patents and really an area that uh, I've spent a lot of time working on. And um, it, it's about the IP risk. And I tend to think about, uh, you know, patents in two ways in terms of the why. I view them as an opportunity. It's an opportunity for protection um, through this government granted monopoly uh, to really you know, give a company a competitive advantage, a competitive edge. I view it as well though, as being really an important tool in risk mitigation uh, and as part of a risk mitigation strategy for IP. Particularly when you're you know, operating in, uh, in spaces and industries where there is um, you know, a fair bit of, of development and innovation and where your competitors are also actively protecting their intellectual property. So I sort of look at the sword and the shield um, side of patents in these kinds of conversations. And so I think that uh, the, the gap that I sometimes observe with companies has been that you know, when they think about their IP strategy and when they think about their patent strategy, patents are often, and, and IP strategy sometimes, but patents can often be viewed as a bit of a nice to have and not a must have. And I think in this day and age with, um, you know, in the intangible economy that, that we are living in um, and the competitive advantage that companies are looking to secure and grow uh, domestically and internationally, patents present great opportunity, but also some risks that companies need to be aware of. So I thought, you know, we, maybe we could sort of focus in a little bit and I'd like to get your views on this risk side of patents and what comes to mind for you uh, when you think about that risk side of patents and what would you want our listeners 
uh, if you have to leave them with a couple of thoughts on that, what would you leave them with? Richard, well, can I start um, with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And yeah, people mostly when they are considering filing a patent application, they're concerned about the cost, you know, what's it it's going to involve, it's going to take my technical people away from their main duties, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they often overlook the potential cost of not filing. And that is significant because it is a first to file system everywhere in the world. Now the U S recently switched over to a first to file system as well. So, um, you know, imagine that you're working on some potential, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a patentable invention, you know, you're, you're sort of on the fence. Um, at the same time, it's a crowded space. You've got competitors working in the same area. If one of those competitors files a patent application for what you're working on before you do anything public, you may be stopped from that line of, uh, line of research and development. You, 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 you may end up having to pay you know, royalties or getting drawn into an infringement suit if you continue. So it is important to consider you know, your patent strategy early on and, and identify things that are potential inventions that might be worth filing for. Um, because if you don't file, you will not get a patent protection. Um, that, that's just the way it is, but there's no guarantee that someone else can't. Um, yeah, and someone we haven't else really might, talked, yeah. Yeah, um, and we haven't really talked about um, sort of the trade-off between filing a patent application versus keeping something secret, which is a, you know, a trade secret is a, is a valuable form of protection as well, but it is, it is inherently fragile. Because if anyone were to disclose that, you could, you know, and they bre breached an agreement, you could sue them. Um, but if they told it to someone and they told it to someone else, and then, you know, eventually you're going to have a hard time proving that that flowed from you. And there's absolutely no protection against an independent discovery of the same secret. So um, trade secrets are, are, you know, useful, but uh, not a substitute for patents. Yeah, and, th and that's a good that's a good point. I'll get to you in a second, Paul. But I was just going to say that, you know, that first to file system and truly understanding what that means. Um, you know, having come, our, our listeners understand that if someone someone else can get a patent on what that you know they are doing, even if they've kept it secret, and prevent them from using their own innovation, I think sometimes is a bit startling um, as a realization. But that's precisely what the first to file system. Really, you know, generally speaking, that's what that means. Um, and, and we can't overlook the, the trade secret aspect. There's always, you know, hybrid forms of IP protection for, for corporate innovation. Uh, and trade secrets always factor into that discussion as part of an IP strategy. It's never just patents alone. Um, but certainly patents have a particular and, um, and, and a unique role in that strategy. So, so Paul, you know, would you mind if I, if I ask you for some of your thoughts on the risk side of the discussion? What, what do you think um, would be worthwhile to highlight that we haven't touched on yet? Sure, maybe just a brief continuation of what was just mentioned. Oh, we talked about the first to file system and uh, connecting that with something I mentioned earlier is that it's important to file a patent application before any uh, disclosure. And I guess one risk I wanted to throw out there is that if you do disclose your invention before you file a patent application, it is possible that somebody else takes your disclosure and they file a patent application before you do. And in the first to file system, that poses a serious risk. Now, it may be possible to get around that and prove that you are the, the original and true inventor. However, that 
isn't always easy. And so, again, going back to what I said earlier, um, it is always best to file a patent application before any uh, disclosure. Um, now, I understand uh, that it can be kind of expensive uh, to embark on, on this journey. Uh, Richard touched upon this, but uh, you know, it's uh, um, you know, can you really afford uh, not to go down this journey? And you know, in, in that regard, I one thing I've seen some people do to um, you know get their foot in the door is to file an initial application. It's called a provisional patent application that we file in the U.S. Uh, the government fees are very minimal for this, and it's it's a good way to get your filing date, uh, particularly before you go and have any sort of first disclosure. Uh, one risk I want to highlight is that um, because the provisional application has no formal requirements in terms of what you actually need to include, it is possible to include a wide variety of things, such as maybe you just take a PowerPoint presentation and file that and that's your patent application. However, we wanna be careful that that first filing includes enough information so that somebody reading this, somebody skilled in the art could read this and be able to practice the invention. Um, there's also some other requirements that ideally we would meet with that uh, initial filing, such as a best mode requirement, which requires us to basically disclose the best way of actually implementing the invention. Um, now, while these aren't necessarily required in terms of the content of the provisional application, it's highly recommended that we include as much detail as we can in that initial filing, and that will help support a much stronger patent that you eventually get issued. Yep. Yep. No, that's, that's really helpful. Um, and, and I think, you know, if, if, Certainly, if I had to um, to to boil this down, distill it for um, for a company I was discussing with, these would probably be the top three things that uh, that I think would be uh, would be important for a company to understand understand patents and try to fill that knowledge gap that may stand between it and actually protecting its innovation uh, with patent protection. So, so I think this is a great place for us to leave it off. Um, I thank you very much for your insights. I think this has uh, been really valuable for our listeners and um, maybe we'll, uh, we'll regroup on a, uh, on a patent part two uh, podcast in the future. So uh, thanks for making time. Great, thank you. Thanks. Information provided during this episode should not be taken as legal advice. Denton's Canadian Intellectual Property Group has expertise that spans all areas of IP, patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, and related disputes and litigation. Our speakers from this podcast episode or any other professional in our group would be pleased to speak with you about today's topic or any other IP topic of interest. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our IP series. Stay well.